You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is a podcast where we deconstruct these white saber films and recontextualize them through a black and POC lens. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Clark. And I'm the other one, Cameron Mason. And we've got we've got a, a great guest, but also just one of those movies that, like, man, you, you look at it. I know people have talked about it. Yeah, I was about ways, to say, but I like, don't know how many people looked at it. Yeah, I don't know how many people have actually watched it because this was a movie that I had watched. I'd never watched, actually, but then like I had a conscious like memory of. Yeah, you know, in terms of like it came out, it did very poorly, uh, and then like became almost synonymous with like the box office bomb. I think it is historically the if not the the second most loss a movie has ever taken yes upon release you are correct uh so you know between the budget and then the marketing and then everything else like it it bobbed terribly um but (laughs) we have uh a guest that we're very excited to talk about um he's a screenwriter and a comic book writer he's done stuff for ABC, Netflix, Stars, Apple TV, and is also the author of the Blade Runner Origins uh, for Titan Comics. This is Mello Brown. How you doing? It's a pleasure, y'all. It's good to see you. Happy to have you. Uh, yeah, uh, this this particular movie, I so this one always comes to mind. Uh, I am still a, an employee of Disney, as to when you're listening to this. <laughs> and uh, was very funny it was like uh, when I got employed uh, uh, with them oh, like a little over a year ago or so I did bring up this movie more than once <laughs> just out of mm-hmm. curiosity just like like I see y'all don't have like John Carter posters anywhere or anything like that <laughs> it, it always cracks me up because uh, I actually went to a movie theater to see this when this came out oh boy and wow. it, it was because uh i knew i knew about the director and i knew the director yeah. is, is dope and i actually think the directing in the movie has like some moments where i'm just like this the director is really shining at, at these particular points and mm-hmm. um but good god man <laughs> like it was one of the <laughs> it's one of the worst afternoons in, in a movie theater i've had yeah. and uh yeah I, i'm i'm so happy i get to drag it along to, to these feelings <laughs> <laughs> well before we get into that i want to i want to talk with you a little bit just about black people in science fiction just because having written you know a blade runner comic which is very cool uh but also just like knowing specifically in hollywood and other spaces like black people in science fiction do go together but i don't think that's how it's perceived you know like mm-hmm. i feel like there's definitely a and i i personally will always come back to after earth as the moment where they decided that we don't like science fiction um that was the nadir like, that was the true yeah well because it felt like oh well here's a big budget science fiction movie it's got you know one of the hottest directors it's got one of the hardest hottest movie stars one of your favorites you know his son is here like here here's some hard sci-fi and like they were like, oh, but you didn't go and support it. And it's like, because it was bad. Like, it was a bad movie. Like, that's, we didn't like it. We did not like it because it was 
science fiction. We liked it because it was not like a watchable experience. So I think that uh, <laughs> for black for black people, I feel like I mean whether you're talking about you know Octavia Butler or even today like an N.K. Jemisin, uh, Anetti Okorafor, like you know all of these terrific science fiction authors, but then also in the space, you know, oh. like on film. They're trying to shove us into a Star Wars and like other spaces, but maybe not necessarily like in ways that make sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in your mind as a as a writer, you know, and somebody who enjoys science fiction, like what is it that you think science fiction does for black people, you know, in terms of a, a, a genre, but also like what are some of the things that you see? people get wrong about black people in science fiction mm. like you would like to see change as you know things move along um i think the the key thing to uh to keep in mind about science fiction and the reason why we don't see us portrayed in the ways that we would usually like to see as well is because uh a lot of science fiction writers are usually white men uh they tend to use the ability of other world parallel universe or um other timeline to write themselves into their ultimate fantasy which is that they are the underdog victim um mm -hmm. one being this movie where yeah. that is extremely apparent uh <laughs> battlefield earth things like that all the stuff that they've done to that historically like you know like their lineage was done to other people they usually mm -hmm. place on themselves so that way they can feel uh like incredibly heroic and it's sort of like uh a, a lot of regular tv shows that aren't even science fiction where it's like breaking back big uh big little lies pretty little liars ozark and all that stuff if you put a drop of melanin in there it doesn't work <laughs> it breaks <laughs> because it's, you can't be, if the the lead character and you was black he wouldn't be doing any of that. <laughs> he right, would get, right, right. Get stopped immediately. Immediately, everybody would check his basement, and, and <laughs> it, 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 so that's how the police would. The like, police would be present, is what you're saying. Oh, uh, they, they, he, we get, he would get followed back to his suburban home <laughs> before he ever killed anybody. <laughs> he was already on the list. <laughs> so, by use of science fiction, they they get to do the thing that they are aware of which is that uh, they get to take away their privilege and place mm -hmm. it into an underdog story and then add superpowers to it. As a, And then they also get to call themselves explicitly special right. in, in that form because they can also say that they're an underdog in the process. It's perfect mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. and so being Black, the things that we fantasize about are completely different. And it, mm -hmm. it's more or less like, what if what if we got revenge in some stories and, and in other aspects it is just what if i just got to have the opportunity to express to express myself in terms of being free and like right. and not having to live in a society where i have a chip on my shoulder and things like that so you get stuff like wakanda and different places and what if i had the the power to change things and have it be permanent in a way that mm -hmm. we typically don't have the opportunity to in real life. Mm -hmm. um, right. uh, there's a genre of science fiction I love, which is the giant mechas within mm -hmm. like uh, like Gundam and a lot of anime you see. And the reason why is because the characters who are always in the cockpit 
are very skinny, frail, and small, and often very young, but they are trapped within a war that is aged up and bigger than them, usually causing them to be child soldiers. But by them having this superpowered weapon, they get to make decisions as to everybody needs to sit down and shut the fuck up <laughs> just for a few minutes <laughs> so we can talk about this because when I'm not outside of this thing, I am suffering and other people like me are suffering and we can solve mm -hmm. this. So being black, we have the opportunity to do that within science fiction and we get to explore something interesting. What would that look like after? What would happen right. after? And like, which is a way more interesting story than like, you know, Dune. <laughs> but, but, you know, <laughs> I guess we, so, we need you to... We need you to write a uh, nigga Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, oh. it's interesting, too, just because I feel like so often, um, you know, science fiction, I think when when I think about, say, like somebody like a Sun Ra, who is just like, Space is the place. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm I'm going to write my fiction into reality. You know what I mean? And like any time it's beautiful to watch white people try to interview him and like he's just a clearly fucking with them but two like dead serious <laughs> you know and they're just like is this nigga from space like wait a minute like i don't know how to like parse the things that he's saying because there's there's truth to them yeah uh but then there's also like this general like i have i've chosen to separate myself from all of the things that you've tried to put upon me and like become something else and so now you have to deal with that because that's the reality that i've created and like with science fiction i feel like oftentimes again like i don't know what they think we're gonna do if they give us like a hundred billion dollars <laughs> revenge, <laughs> revenge, revenge, Jordan. It's revenge. The <laughs> but the amount of like science fiction films that you see before we talk about this one, I had a very similar experience that that you were talking about, Mello, when I saw Valerian, because I walked into that thinking that this was going to be not a <laughs> like good movie, but like it's you know Luc Besson, it's like this big like episodic science fiction space opera, it's all the and like ten minutes in, I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like none of this makes any sense, but it was built and built up as like this is science fiction. Like you need to, you need to really like sit down and like think about this. And I was like, I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to, who I'm supposed to be rooting for. Like, this is all just nonsense. Neither of the actors. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you, I know, yes, Luke Besson has earned, you know, a hundred million dollars in terms of his track record. But like the way that so many of these movies get thrown out where it's just like, you're not even trying, like you're just doing something equivalent to what you think people want to see or even you're adapting something that you think people want to watch um but not really like getting into what it is that would make an audience want to invest and tune in and so you know why can't we get the chance to do that like if we're just <laughs> throwing money out there for people to do things like it would be nice if we could maybe you know do do a little bit of our own like, um, yeah i got napkins with gibberish on it too you know, like, <laughs> like I can also give somebody like a really vaguely <laughs> strange alien name like Ain Al, you know, just put an apostrophe <laughs> in there and let's go, you know. But it, like, there's a lot of that in regards 
to uh like for that particular movie uh which i also saw in the theater uh just bad choices all around and uh and like right like left in the middle of it but um it there there's something there where like luke was in a place where he was just like hey i i've always wanted to do this i've been trying to make it for 10 years and when I say like he scribbled stuff on napkins, the movie is made of vignettes and moments that he scribbled down. Mm-hmm. And then once they said you are allowed to make it, he didn't even bother making a connect- connective tissue. He's like, I'll just nope. make a bunch of shots and then come up with something that may be about, which was like porcupines that, uh, that were like spitting out diamonds or something. I don't even remember. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> It, I, it was basically Wallace's suitcase. I have and, yeah, I, I have not seen this movie. I know about it, but oh my god! I mean, you haven't seen Rihanna's performance in <laughs> Oh, she's in Blade. Yeah. That's right. Oh my god! Yeah, she's yeah. got a whole musical number. She's like a changeling creature in it, oh, and yeah. Um, yeah, that was when Rihanna was like, "I'm gonna act, and I'm gonna be in a bunch of sci-fi stuff." And so she did like that in Battleship. And yeah, I was about uh, to say before we yeah. got on, we actually had a conversation that referenced Battleship. So. We're invoking Rihanna's <laughs> acting career today. It's going to happen. Well, and let's let's uh, let's talk about acting choices in particular in this movie. Uh, John Carter. King of the transition. The end. Yeah, like this. We'll 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 get into it. Um, you know, in the behind the scenes, but like mm-hmm. John Carter, which is based on A Princess of Mars, which was one of the other proposed titles, or John Carter of Mars, as people will just like fill in. Um, but the movie is just Disney's John Carter it was a 2012 science fiction film that was directed and written by Andrew Stanton, who you might know from a bunch of Pixar stuff. So he had done like Wally and Finding Dory um, or Finding Nemo and then Finding Dory. Um, he did Toy Story 4. Like he had basically, you know, made his his name off of the Pixar space. And somehow Disney was like, this is the guy that we want to do a live action 200 million dollar film uh as his first film that he's ever done live action and so he he's brought on mark andrews and michael shabon are brought on to write along with him um the movie stars taylor kitsch lynn collins uh samantha morton mark strong syrian hines dominic west william defoe and the this is you know sometimes they'll do this on wikipedia when you try to get specifics but the budget in general, between the actual film budget and then the marketing, is somewhere north of three hundred million. Let's go. Three hundred six point six million. Let's go. Which is like one of the, if not the most expensive film of all time. Just, just the GDPs um, of small nations. Just, just throwing it at the screen, seeing if it sticks. Its box office was two hundred eighty four, but when you take into account everything else like that's not as impressive as it no that's sounds. not that's not so. impressive because that's 284 global Oof. yeah yeah, Oof. yeah and so disney very famously took a 200 million dollar like loss on this movie yes. and kind of was after that they're like fuck it we're just gonna buy star wars so, <laughs> they like, bought star wars and marvel right there <laughs> literally I, they must have made uh, the decision at the same table like john carter 
we got that Star Wars coming. Don't nah. worry about it. We're good. We're good. We're still on these streets. Yeah. Well, they, so. they, they, they thought two movies were going to be, like, all-timers in terms of, like, we'll be able to ride these franchises to the grave, and we'll be and the money's going to come back triple once we release them. And it was this and Tron Legacy. Oh. And I, and I don't know if that's on y'all's list. That's Tron Legacy has... The we might need to get that. That has all the same problems as this movie, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's let's get into the five minutes here. I'm gonna do it. I think I can do it because I'm just gonna do what the screenwriter should have done: is cut ninety percent of uh, that's <laughs> what right. They decided to include in here because it is a a, a labyrinth maze <laughs> of unnecessary plot and jargon that, like, I think easily you could have just got straight to it um but Cameron, whenever you're ready i'll jump into it and see jordan see i believe in you we hear white people will save you right. are not with the shits so let's go <laughs> three two one okay so this movie starts four times uh before we even get to what it's actually about for some reason we start on mars uh and detective mcnulty is like in space basically like fighting uh some kind of battle until mark strong and his goons come down and they're like yo we want to make you our goon here's like the ultimate weapon but don't use it uh from that we cut straight to uh, John Carter in New York, uh, just like trying to duck somebody who's following him. He mails a telegram, which takes us to the third opening, which is Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yes, Edgar Rice Burroughs, the author of John Carter, A Princess of Mars. He did the same thing in the books. It's unclear in both instances if that's actually supposed <laughs> to be him as the nephew of John Carter or if that's just a strange Five. coincidence. But either way, he's got called in to John Carter's estate because his uncle has suddenly died and he's left mysterious instructions for his burial and a personal journal that only Burroughs can read. And so then the movie actually starts when he starts reading the journal and we flash back even further to just a little bit after the Civil War, 1868. In Arizona, uh, John Carter's just fucking around and Brian Cranston's like, yo, you need to come with me. He comes, he snatches him up. This is the beginning of a strange running gag that is basically half of the movie where John Carter gets captured, tries to escape, immediately gets captured again, tries to escape, gets captured again, <laughs> tries to escape. I think you forgot um, one. And so, <laughs> so he gets captured, he escapes, he manages to get out. Uh, he's heading towards what he believes to be a, a spider cave filled with gold, except, of course, the Apache are there, uh, and they're there to, to intercept him. John Carter speaks Apache, I guess, and is trying to converse with them. But then somebody from the Union starts letting off shots. They get into a battle. Brian Cranston gets clipped. He, like, drags him over to the cave. But the Apache are like, oh, we don't fuck with that. We're not going in there. Uh, so, of course, John Carter's like, oh, this is the place I want to go. He goes inside. A magical dude appears out of nowhere. They get into a struggle. John Carter murders that man, takes his medallion for some reason uh says right the body what is inscribed right? on it <laughs> immediately is like this is the hero the hero of our movie is killing people and taking their things and is also a confederate yes. soldier and so he like, like, transports himself to mars where immediately he figures out that because of bone density i think is able to jump i, I will pause i will pause for my theory i will pause for my theory 
It's not. It's not even like too complicated. But it, here's my theory, because it doesn't connect through the rest of the movie. They just like this nigga can jump. He got twenty thousand foot vertical. He's great. Yeah. What I'm thinking is everybody else is born on Mars gravity, used to Mars gravity. He's not used to Mars gravity. So once he gets there, he's like, I got the hops because I'm not used to him. My legs are great. He, he doesn't he doesn't believe in gravity. He's like, I this cannot yeah. change so, me. So his power is beyond. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. I don't buy and that's that. why we're here today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna zoom you. So yeah, he could he can he has yeah like a fifty foot standing vertical. He's running around. He gets he's super strong now, uh, but he still has not tried to figure out where he is until he stumbles upon a den of like alien eggs that start to hatch. Uh, this is where we meet the Tharks, which you know is a race that we'll have to have a conversation about what they're supposed to be analogous to. But uh, they come up and. Immediately, another sequence of him escaping, getting caught, escaping, getting caught. They take him back. I guess he's a slave now, <laughs> or at least property of one of the Tharks uh, who take him in. And he's like basically going to be their property. Randomly cut to Dejah Thoris, uh, Lynn Collins, who is being told by her father that you're about to marry Dominic West. And you don't have any choice about that. I don't know what you thought you were going to do with the rest of your life, but this is what's happening now. And she's like, fuck that. I don't want any part of that. Oh, real brief. Um, when she appeared on screen, that was yeah. like the biggest like blackface jump scare I've seen. I've seen. <laughs> it's just a real immediate close up of her in like red, like red makeup, making her browner than she should be with tribal tattoos. It's a very British white lady. Yep. Continue. Sorry. A, there's a, yeah, so she is in red face a bunch of people are red dominic west is red uh other people are not we don't know why uh so <laughs> they, uh then we we cut back i guess he's trying to escape again from the tharks manages to get out meets a a dog that can tap into the speed force and is like following him around and like gets him caught up by the, the tharks again dog, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> before they before they could figure out what they're gonna do with him, because the the Thark that he is entrusted to has to, of course, get branded again, and she's out of brands. You know, if they brand her again, I guess she's gotta get kicked out. Um, but Deja Thoris comes flying by on her rocket ship, exact same place that John Carter happens to be. She's in a firefight with Dominic West. The Tharks, I oh, guess, are wow. just like somehow, that. somehow that like, wasn't it. Uh, damn all right well <laughs> i think I'm, I'm about to wrap because like after this there's a whole battle john carter sees deja thoris and is like finally a human and a woman uh i'm gonna try to get that like jumps after her like saves her they team up i guess and then the tharks for some reason decide that they also are gonna enter the fray and start just like blasting at uh, Dominic West and his people, so they have to leave. So now Deja Thoris and John Carter are together, but John Carter's like, I just want to go back to Earth. I don't want to be here anymore. This isn't my fight. Whatever you guys are fighting about, Deja Thoris is like, I saw you jump. <laughs> like, you, you need to be the warrior soldier for my people. He was like a Kardashian uh, at the next game. Just like, I'm going to lose my <laughs> fucking shit right now. <laughs> so he... 
agrees to help her like figure out the way back to she's lying to him about getting back to earth but like they set out again except before they go we find out that the thark that has been entrusted he's been entrusted to is actually uh the daughter of the leader i guess that's a plot point that we needed to know randomly and so like she has to get out of there um and they all head off into the deserts of mars eventually they get caught again uh by dominic west people but like it's in a twist her dad is also there and he's like hey he told me everything he said i kind of fucked up i tried to kill you but that was my bad but now everything's good and like we're gonna have this wedding and like get back to it so um deja thoris brings john carter along she's like yo if you really want to go back to earth here's the transcription to read with this medallion that'll take you back to earth but before john carter can go he gets caught up again by mark strawn who is revealed to be a thern an hour and <laughs> 20 minutes into the movie and now this is new information that we have and suddenly we get the entire plot of the movie in like five minutes where he's like yo we're evil and we want to feed off of the end of mars and so we're gonna make dominic west kill Daisha thoris and that's gonna bring about the end of martian civilization i guess um so john carter's like bet i gotta stop that runs to like go back and get the tharks except he fucked up because by doing what he did before the tharks have a new leader who now throw him back into jail now he's got to fight in five against the white apes <laughs> yeah i mean look i i i'm trying no I no i, I meant like it's been five minutes since the last saw them and they got a new leader <laughs> And oh yeah no they had well because yeah well because he he like didn't really we'll talk about it he doesn't seem to really care about anybody and so like he's destabilizing uh <laughs> groups left and right you know in his wake but uh yeah he goes in he he kills everybody i did skip the scene before where he killed like where he actually folks. killed everybody wow yeah yeah, and then, like, but was also because he was sad that his wife got killed by, I think, Apaches? This it's is not clear. Um, I, this is my <laughs> uh, my candidate for stupidest scene in the entire film. <laughs> insane, insane, this man. Just, like, slaughtering millions of people, but it's literally intercut, so you're supposed to assume that this is his motivation, with the death of his yeah. wife, and we have to see it. Yep. And baby, and baby. And Sorry. so, yeah. Baby. Yeah. They yeah, were burned. No. So that's what's got him so upset, and I guess is making him loyal to Dejah Thoris. They, he, he kills all of the Thark leadership, and it's like, I'm the captain now. You're all going to follow me. We're going to go back to Dejah City of Helium, which also was confusing me, because every time they said Helium, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they go back uh at first john carter's a dummy because he takes him to the wrong place but then he takes him to the right place and they're able to kind of thwart this assassination attempt although mark strong manages to get away in the heat of battle because he turns into basically every main character in the movie and then escapes with the medallion but john carter and dejah thoris are safe they get married immediately with his wife's everybody's happy (laughs) yep he's like bet he thought about her (laughs) And then kissed her like 20 minutes later. 
Yeah, he was like, nah, it's like, I killed like uh, a million indigenous people. So, <laughs> and that's how I worked it out. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, that was my grief. That was my grief council. was murder. Um, so they get married. Everything seems great. You know, John Carter is now John Carter of Mars, is what he addresses himself as. He's having a moment looking out into his new home, uh, except. Of course, Mark Strong is there. He's disguised himself as one of the guards. He, like, karate chops him and then, like, throws the medallion into his chest and, like, sends him back to Earth. And so now we're all the way back at the beginning of the movie to understand this random framing device that has him sending a letter to Edgar Rice Burroughs to then set up his fake death in which he was worried that the Thurns were going to find him and like you know fuck his whole plan to get back up to mars up so he has edgar rice burroughs like go through this whole charade in order to kill the one thern that's been following him and then it's like now i'm gonna go back to mars the end of the movie (laughs) (laughs) he just shot a dude it went home wow wow I, who can say? You, you can know, say. I think that's part of you what makes it. this movie so confusing is because they do so many unnecessary things. Um, and so I guess, you know. Well, here's where I want to start, because I think for our purposes specifically, these movies, the movies based off Edgar Rice Burroughs, you know, whole canon when it's seemingly one white man after another going to a place that he's not from and suddenly becoming like the guy, you know, and uh, either saving or bringing civilization to or whatever it is. But also, I don't know, Melo, if you saw the new Tarzan uh, that had um, Scar's Garden, was it? Simon Hansu and then Skarsgård and Samuel Jackson. Oh, no, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the one uh, with uh, Casper Van E. This one came out in 2016, and it was like their attempt to modernize Tarzan by having him literally save Africa from yep. slavery, as he destroys King Leopold's slave ring in the Congo. And like emancipates the whole. And also, a black American asked him to do the job. (laughs) A black American man named George Washington asked him to do it. Yeah. And so it's another, this feels like another instance where they were like, okay, he's a Confederate soldier. Uh, He doesn't really seem to be that interesting. Like, what can we do to kind of make this a likable, relatable character? Uh, and also, so how bad does Edgar Rice Burrow want to be a nigga? Uh, you know what? We we talked about it with Tarzan. And, <laughs> we did. Talk and Tarzan about it. very much feels like strong. Tarzan right? feels like what a white person. <laughs> Tarzan feels like what a white person thinks of being a black person is like, uh, and like gets to like <laughs> do all the things that black people get criticized for, but as a white man get to hang out with monkeys and beat up white yeah aliens. you know yeah. so like yeah exactly that. john carter is kind of like that's what i've been doing <laughs> john carter is kind of like okay so if we take away the him being a confederate soldier 
part, but then drop them into this is what I want us to parse out. Some kind of analogous Let's do it. representation of the Civil War with yes. the Tharks as the natives caught in between. Yes. But like they yeah. don't explain anything. So you don't know wh- whose <laughs> motivations are what. You just assume Dejah Thoris is good because bad things are happening to her and that he should side with her and save her. He never asks any questions. He just does what she asks him to. Um, and then, like, the Tharks kind of get to be, like, the friends, you know? Like the, hey, you know, we we are just... A, he, we're just here to do what you tell us to do. You know what I mean? We didn't even know how to fly until you came along, and now, like, you've changed our whole civilization. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, what did, what did you both of you make of of that like attempt to like because basically the movie is a confederate soldier goes to another planet and like and there's another civil war and there's another civil war and i guess wins this time and he gets the chance to do it right (laughs) because he there's a lot of him (laughs) saying i don't fight people's wars anymore i don't take sides like you know this is all you know, for other people's profit, and like I'm all about John Carter now. But then, thirty minutes later, proceeds to do both of those. Yeah. Things. <laughs> so, Melo, yeah, what did you what did you make of that whole situation where they seem to be trying to infer something, but then ended up not really saying anything? <laughs> well, the well, the thing about like uh, what is her name the the one woman Deja Thoris Deja Thoris <laughs> yeah. Um, She's yeah, literally, also, oh my god, she's the only female. Yeah. <laughs> the the minute I saw her makeup, I was just like, you know, I don't trust her. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. And uh, there's actually multiple times in the movie where like something horrible would happen that she was a major catalyst mm-hmm. for. And then she would run back to her very rich colonial father <laughs> and hug him. Like, oh, thank God you're here. Thank God you shot these savages that kept me as a quote-unquote prisoner and let me roam freely (laughs) the entire time i was with them and then i told them like you could like you are allowed to capture me i was (laughs) like this is that is one of the worst characters i've seen in the movie (laughs) like her character she she uh, rivals uh miss minnie from the color purple just just yeah (laughs) she, she rivals that that energy of just like the black people I was hanging with made me do it. <laughs> <laughs> and like she just feels like, oh man, like just like she's VIP in Coachella at yep. all times. But um, <laughs> but but uh, in in regards to like John Carter's choices throughout the movie and everything like that, the the thing is like he is also just an idiot, yeah. and. Really? Um, he is uh, like a big libertarian fantasy where it's like, yeah, everyone outnumbers you and everyone has a a, a, a spear, a gun, a dagger trained on you. He's like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> and, and he usually pays for that uh, immediately unless uh, his plot armor super yeah. kicks in. Um, like when he's just like, crying and swinging his arms wildly and for some reason that makes contact with everybody where he's like waving his arms like a wacky inflatable (laughs) arm flail and tube man and like instantly kills someone every time 
he like touches someone i i could not believe it with my eyes and they had the nerve to intercut it with other things yeah like i just want to be like how how does every blow be fatal i don't want to go back to the civil war i know i want to know how every martian blow is fatal. well and he's like <laughs> well he's like being jumped by literally hundreds of people you know what I mean? Bro, bro, like, I watched a Vice video of a random Brooklyn nigga get jumped by his own gang, <laughs> and he couldn't handle it. <laughs> but they, he had to roll himself a blunt with his own tears <laughs> to, to 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 handle it. Okay, so this guy literally like thought of his dead wife once, and was like, "The rage of the ancestors is within me." I guess so. I don't. Yeah, that scene was. We'll we'll, we'll get into that more. But Melo, what, what what were you saying? So uh, yeah, I'll just conclude. Like, what, so what John Carter initially does is just fascism, and like he uses the, this new power that he has to force everyone into the opinion that he wants for the rest of the movie. The minute that he learns what the sides are, yeah, and um, and there isn't a problem that he can't. Uh, jump and punch his way out of. Yeah, and he forces that onto everyone that he meets, and so it becomes this like ridiculously gross thing that he's capable of doing, and it becomes a libertarian fantasy as to how the world should work. Yep. And um, and he at the end of the day he takes the 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 one woman. That uh, that exists and is just like I'm over my dead wife. That's just dead wife's in the past. Am I right, fellas? And then <laughs> marries her immediately, and uh, he's like, got my penis dog. Not a symbolism for anything, and like life is supposed to be good from here, and we're supposed to be rooting. For yeah. It. And so there isn't anything to say except for like pro libertarianism. At the end of that kind of, it's story. wild because that wedding takes place literally right after the battle. So like, there are dead yeah. people everywhere, everywhere, and they're just like, everywhere. "Look, we rented the space. We got another hour. We love we, wind. We gotta, love we gotta wind. make the most of this venue. We got catering. Like, we can't let this food go to waste. Like, let's everybody get in here. We're gonna have a wedding, and so." That's a real <laughs> <wedding>. <laughs> hey, mom. Everyone die here. I pay for <laughs> You know how much I pay? Twenty-five. When, when y'all say it like that, I realize <laughs> that this movie is like it would be uh, from Parks and Rec. What's his name? Ron Swanson's favorite science yeah. fiction movie. <laughs> no waste. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I think the thing about John Carter the character, uh, me and Cameron were talking about this a little bit earlier. Is like the story behind Taylor Kitsch being cast was that Andrew Stanton had seen a promotional still of Friday Night Lights, Friday Night Lights. where he looked yep. kind of like a cover to a John Carter book and was like that guy is John Carter <laughs> no, we're not going to do an audition this is also... <laughs> you know what I mean like I'm just off the vibes he's the guy that I want to cast and there are other people around Tom Cruise apparently wanted to do it because this movie had been in production multiple times since like the 30s like people that kept trying to get it off the ground and through various <laughs> means and reasons like it just kept stopping like the dude who did speed uh was supposed to to do it and then or he did speed too um 
Oh, I was about yeah. to say that. So, like, he was going to do it, and then Speed 2 came out, and they're like, we can't do that movie no more. And it's just like, damn, dog. <laughs> Let him uh, No, cook. I guess not. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, this was like, Taylor Kitsch gets thrown into this, and they don't really... Here's the problem, right? He's a Confederate soldier. And I don't know what you're going to try to tell me in terms of justifying this, but specifically from Virginia where they had the most slaves, you know what I mean? Like some of the most famous plantations. Proud of that shit. You Pr- know, proud of that you shit. can't tell me that he won in the books. It is, it is explicitly stated that he owned slaves uh, and that slaves held him in high regard. Uh, but also that like, he was like my nigga, but like literally my nigga. <laughs> um, but in the movie, they try to just say, yeah, well, you know, but he learned that he was fighting for the wrong side. And so that's kind of what's turned him off of war is that he, you know, which I don't know if it's like he lost, you know, like, cause if they had won, would he have been like, <laughs> nah, you know, war is bad, like, you know, what? <laughs> Like you, you can't expect me to care about the guy with the whip. Like he fucked up when he picked yeah. up the whip. There is mm. no oh my god, back. and was like skilled. Yeah, no, well, he used one before. Yeah. He knew what was up. Yeah. <laughs> Been here before. It, I'm familiar. And so they they try to like dance around it and like give him like a pathos of like I I I now know what is right to fight for, and I guess it's just this red woman uh because like it wasn't because it, it wasn't even again like it it like deja thoris is good because she's in danger you know it's never just like oh no like she is you know like somebody who has you know these ideas for what mars should be or like is working towards creating like a utopian society it's just like no she is good because dominic west is bad and he wants her and so now John Carter is good because he is on her side, but like never once it's like, Hey, so Mars, like what's going on here with all, <laughs> all of these sides and like Just things, how you know, quick I mean? yeah. Can I at least get like, what is this war about? You know? And like the movie never stops to explain that. And so you're left to think that it is supposed to be a civil war proxy, but then that brings us to the Tharks and what we're supposed to make, of them because very clearly the native people indigenous people of mars but like with all of the trappings and stereotypes of indigenous people from film and books in the 1930s so i don't know (laughs) what they tried to do in terms of making them because they're like savages who like keep slaves and like hatch alien animals in order to force them into labor and kill the ones that aren't strong enough and like have a whole system of like branding and a caste system and then like seemingly just murder people and take their things uh and that's how they survive you know in the desert and like once once they're leaving once william defoe's out the picture it's like i've got a fucking literal arena of like murder that we do now like that's that's what we do now you know and it's just like wait what hold on a <laughs> like, what 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 do you guys believe the tharks are supposed to be like was there do you think the movie had intent or they just kind of backwardly walked themselves into this situation 
They're absolutely Apache. Um, they're like 100%. They are the Apache. And uh, it is him um, both getting revenge. Yeah, he just got As well him. as. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and making up for that revenge an hour later. Yeah. <laughs> with, with the same fucking people. They're like, you genocided <laughs> an entire town a little while ago. I don't care if you're going to like ride on a ship later on with your super st stupid jumpy powers because you decided like I also don't like a side in this war and I'm going to make a decision for everybody yep. on that too. And every time he came back to them, they were more savage for a different yeah. reason than they were the last time. Like it, if there was like so I, I know you talked earlier about the joke involving um uh what is that the every time he yeah. kept escaping and then like every time he escaped he uh he got away in a different way where it was just like he jumped out a window he got thrown into a mm -hmm. cell etc if someone had the courage to make the joke that every time he went back to them like five years had passed and every time he fucked up, <laughs> he, he would see the results of what happened to them and how angrier they are. Then the movie would actually say sure. something. But because every time he goes back to them, it's an hour later. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they've de-evolved in terms of their um, their ethics and morality in some way. It says shit. It doesn't say anything. And so they are definitely supposed to be the Apache and Edgar Rice Burroughs. Uh, is sorting out his feelings about what he thinks are primitive people while also wishing he was one. Mm. It's weird, too, because, like, they are positioned as, like, <clears throat> just, they're just watch, they're just here to watch, you know, like, they don't really want to get involved in whatever's happening on Mars. They're just kind of, like, observers, and I guess, like, scavengers of you know battles where things you know go wrong and then they just kind of steal the ships but like multiple times yeah, well multiple times like they make a decision to insert themselves into conflict in a way that's like you just told me that you don't care about any of this and now all of a sudden you're shooting down the ship because john carter i i really because he jumps <laughs> <laughs> yep he could play for the Mars basketball team. He could be a good guard. Yeah. Like, come on. They see the potential. But that's the... It, it, Go ahead. It, it was just... Everything would work if one person was just like... It, on either side, on any of the three sides in this conflict, it, they're like... I, if someone was just like, I get it. He he can jump, <laughs> but he's a dick. <laughs> like, the, rest of, the whole movie would stop. Totally within. And like we don't have to work with or talk to him because yep. he is an asshole. I don't care if he jumps. <laughs> well, like, and I think that's the that's that part though too because like it's not until literally after he gets kidnapped by Mark Strong that he even makes a decision that I want to be a part of this at all. So that's like there's maybe. 50 minutes, 40 something minutes left in the movie. And for the. But honestly, there's like only 20 minutes left in the conflict. Yeah. 
So he, he, he bare minimum just crossed the finish line of like care. Because before shit. that, he's just like, I want to go home. I want to get gold. I want to get more gold. That's all I care about. I don't care about anything that's happening here. I don't care about Tharks or Heliumites, I think is what they called themselves, or any of these other people. Like, I don't even care that I'm on Mars. Like, I'm not amazed by this in any way. <laughs> I'd be amazed that I was breathing beyond, like, me, like, exactly. opening my eyes on Mars. Like, oh, my God, I'm still breathing. This is crazy. He's, he's so entitled that he's just like, where's the manager? I want to go home. Like, I'm tired of being yeah. here. Uh, let me just go home. And it's like, that's the hero <laughs> of the movie. The guy who actively wants to not be a part of the story until... It's time for I him just to be. Go back to my cabin, <laughs> shit. My favorite, just to find my favorite bucket, shit. In it. <laughs> <laughs> and just uh, shoot anyone with any melody yeah. that crosses my property. Well, and speaking of that, there are at least according to IMDb, no people of color in this movie. The only people what? of color that so are ever. like in any way featured are the Apache at the very beginning. And then, like, even in the even in the the alien cast, you know, it's like William. Def it's like all these British actors, and so it's like yeah. there's never, there's not even like you know, we, we couldn't even get Jimon. Yeah, yeah Jimon's uh, always on the phone. He's always available. We couldn't even get like a Cliff <laughs> Curtis or like a you know uh, who, who else? Who's my guy uh, on Reservation Dogs right now? My guy who's like the native in every film he's in dancing yeah. wolves he's in he's but he's that but guy it's also he, like could have easily been chief anyway. i mean it, it was 2012 car weathers was yeah <laughs> he was hungry he was waiting on that mandalorian call he's waiting on that rest of development money to wait out to run that's out how get a stew going yeah that's right he's just trying to get that stew going again. but that's the thing like so in this movie people of color are supposed to identify as tharks yeah. Well, here's the thing. See, this you, we we just like laid it out <laughs> what the movie is actually saying. But I'm going to tell you what my confused ass interpreted because I mean I fully understood what you guys yeah. saying and what I saw. But the movie throws you so many like, but hey, there's also this though. I don't know if they all that indigenous now. Like, think about it. You got the Tharks, but you also have these people who call themselves the Red People, which is obviously the red sand of mars sure. <laughs> they weren't they obviously tattoos they were tribal tattoos yeah. you know like uh, look, looking a little maori yeah. you know borrowing from all kinds of things going on now i know that they're not the indigenous people of mars i know <laughs> this right with my brain i'm able to decipher that however this movie keeps throwing you curveballs it's like Maybe they're entitled to something. I don't know. Who knows? Do, do you know? You don't know because you don't live on Mars, bro. Well, it's it's. But that... Go ahead, Mello. No. Uh, oh, no, I was just gonna say. Me and Cameron had this conversation off camera because we were talking about Ant Man, uh, Quantumania, and like discussing how whenever whenever they need to employ alien races, they just ascribe vaguely ethnic identities and like culture to them that are kind of supposed to be just different you know they're just they're not western they, they tribal yeah. oh they tribal 
they're wearing dickies that are a little like <laughs> roughed up. They got some cargo pants, maybe you know a sash, it, yeah. tribal tattoo on the face. Because the face is, you can't tattoo classic, the face unless you're from there. Classic George Lucas and uh, the Phantom Menace, right? They're like Jar Jar, yeah. just make them Nigerian. <laughs> and it, what was it? Uh, what was it? Guato? Never, I've never heard that Jar Jar was Nigerian, but I love. Like Guato, like that dude is just Jewish. He just <laughs> counting coins. He has like if you I have, have that. He, he has a yarmulke and he has uh two curls on mm-hmm. the side of his head. It's like extremely offensive. Stop, it, uh, stop. The, the separatists at the beginning of the movie are supposed to be Chinese. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they even it, have the weird accent that's like yeah. not vague at all. <laughs> and so it like all those things are like it, it's because I, I see what you're saying about like uh, I don't know the name of the uh, are they actually just called the red people they're, or was that just they're a called crazy Heli- well there's the red people I guess it's the race well, the cities but then yeah there's the heliumites which is who Deja Thoris is a part of um, and then there's Sadanga who is like another city but they're all red yeah people, except for the Thurns who are white people and the Thurns are definitely white they are translucent yeah. bro. <laughs> Because, because I I don't think he thought of them as like uh like the term red people as the same as like indigenous people. I just think Edgar Rice Burroughs is an idiot, and so he. <laughs> I, I was about to be like, hey, let's do work here, but I mean, you really nailed it on the head <laughs> with he... that one phrase, which is honestly the through line between all of our Tarzan podcasts and this podcast today. That Edgar Rice Burroughs is a full fledged idiot. He just wants a shirtless white dude stronger than everyone and is fist fighting his way through uh, political problems that he doesn't quite understand. Yep. You know this nigga got me. <laughs> it's, it's a fact. It's a fact. Well, I wasn't even there. Anymore. Here's the thing, right? Like Edgar Rice Burroughs, the people who will try to aid and defend him in terms of what he was doing, one will point to the times, which I guess in if you want to really you know parse it like sure you know there were different thoughts thoughts back then but also like that's not i mean like what what has changed you know what i mean i was about to say <laughs> anybody who brings up that argument of like times is different it was like do you love those times yeah did you love them yeah. did you want to go you want to go back but right even now? like times are different in terms of like i mean i guess people aren't overtly racist but like it's not like racism isn't part and parcel with whiteness like it's still a big part of that identity and so like it's not that anything has really like it's just that that was like the way of the day and now it's just kind of like hey not so loud you know but like still keep thinking that um and so like (laughs) that doesn't necessarily hold up and then people will point to in the books there were a bunch of different races that were color-coded you know like there was a a race of onyx people who are like the first people of Mars who like live under like the ground like and that. secretly control everything going up top. You um, know what color onyx is. Don't do that. <laughs> and then there uh, were like green Martians and Lovecraft countries. So. Yeah, <laughs> there were like green Martians and like yellow Martians and like mixed Martians that were like a product of like two different color combinations and like so it was like, oh, uh, but it's just like well that uh, doesn't. You can't just make a race black and then ascribe blackness to them because, like, they don't have any of the cultural identity 
of black people specifically black americans and so like just because you write a character who happens to be black but has nothing to do like you know it wasn't like he wrote a black man or black woman and like wrote them with three dimensions he just wrote to explore yeah he just had another race that was black you know what i mean like he just did a creative skin on a video game character and was like this one is different now (laughs) and you're just like well that's not that's not how that works like you can't just do that well we all know that that's not how it works because have you ever created a black character on uh nba 2k with a proper hair well i mean that's a whole other thing i mean you could say the same thing about mass effect they kind of you know they got to work on that <laughs> I still play GTA, and all the black people have the same dreadlocks. All of us have the same dreadlocks. We're all talking to each other with the same language. But I think that's you gotta start. Oh, go ahead. You gotta stop dunking. <laughs> no, I was just saying you gotta stop dunking on those game developers. <laughs> <laughs> well, so... they're like, I, I'm gonna make a game just like <laughs> Edgar Wright. It's, it's... <laughs> it, yeah, it is coming straight out of like fear and not understanding. And I know we keep bringing up Edgar Rice Burroughs, where he he did this in a time where he could get away with it, and that's the reason why I'm not going to say like he was of a time. Right, right. I'm like, no, he's just said of, of a time where he got away right. with it. Right. There's plenty of people that would still want to write this, but the thing that's the the big problem is that this came out 2012. Right. This movie came out 2012. <laughs> like, like it, this this was not that long yeah. ago. <laughs> well, so I think that's the the next thing I want to talk about is just like they keep they keep making these movies like they keep taking these pulp characters which and pulp stories and worlds which one we are decidedly not a part of right like they are they are created <laughs> with us already excluded you know and if we are included we are savage or like other or like antagonistic um, and then try to modernize them in a way where like they're they're either just like well just take the racism out but like the racism is like part and parcel of the story like that's but it is right <laughs> that's where it which, came from which is the problem we, <laughs> but this is the problem we come across like not every movie but i'm gonna say 75 percent of what we explore on this podcast ends up being in that conversation right we got movies where you know the powers that be might not want to talk about certain subjects and you know it's not like said movie won't won't get made right so we still have to make the movie we still had to push forward we had to be clever though and what i've discerned is that we ain't that clever or at least the people i was gonna say don't put don't put us in that that's a yeah yeah, (laughs) we No, 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 no. I, I genuinely don't think they care as long as the the, uh, the IP is big enough to gain money. We're we're watching this mm-hmm. now. We're watching it in real time happen again because Dune is this. Yeah, Dune is this. Dune is absolutely this. It, it is a white boy going into an indigenous culture and then telling them what to do, and then they're just like, okay. And then he also is like his legitimate superpower is also perfect. Yep. And the reason why is because he didn't earn anything. His mom actually sets him up uh, by creating a fake prophecy for him to be pushed forward with. Right. And the reason why Dune is more celebrated amongst uh, all audiences is because when you get to book three, they immediately, uh, like that indigenous culture is like, 
this fucking white boy is annoying. Mm-hmm. And like he is doing terrible things. He is a he is also a colonizer because he has colonizer mindset and he has savior mindset and mm. we need to get rid, rid of him. And that's when it becomes really interesting. You know where <laughs> the, the Water Brothers wants to stop the movie <laughs> right before it gets yeah, there. Right. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, I don't think we're getting that Dune Part Three. At no, I mean, all. we're, Even we're going to get part two, is two that is the second half of the first book, and then we're going to get a third movie that is the second book, which isn't even that yeah. good. <laughs> and so they're going to stop it right before his character is proven wrong. And I think that's part of the issue with even this movie because Andrew Stanton himself talks about trying to modernize John Carter, you know, specifically as a Confederate soldier. And so, you know, they had early concept art which saw him wearing a low slug and blazing hat with a Confederate flag. And Stanton says, I wanted to not absolve him of that, but also not make him pro the side he was on. So the best I could do was neutralize him, which is like, what does that mean? Uh, you just don't see the flag. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, from a visual standpoint, he you... just was shit in that bucket real bad. <laughs> he ate some of that bad war, uh, Confederate chili, you know. Okay, I was just gonna say, what's the point of having him still be a Confederate soldier if we're not gonna talk about it? Like he's just something else then. Well, if we're not even gonna see yeah. it, right? Because this is movies. This is the visual art form. So we're supposed to. To see the flag is to infer only the one thing that comes with it, right? That you stood for slavery right. and <laughs> the extension of the Southern Empire, whatever they thought they had. Uh, and, and keeping slavery, we, we, we all know what it what is really about. Uh, but sadly, the problem is that you have to see it. Yeah. You have to see the stars and bars, simple and plain. It's, it's like uh, encountering movies that want to talk about slavery but don't want to engage with slavery. You ain't going to see no slaves. <laughs> it, it, it takes like an extreme amount of work coming from someone that had to remove it from a franchise. Right. Like, um, I'm in a position where um, when I entered Blade Runner and they approached me about it, uh, they're just like, this, is, this story is going to be canon. You're going to lead up the entire story that goes into uh, like Ridley Scott's classic, blah blah blah, and and I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, three things, though. <laughs> I'm like, one, uh, can we say, uh, can we be nicer to women because uh, we be assaulting and chopping them up in the rest yeah. of these movies? Uh, number two, more people of color gotta exist other than slave traders and child kidnappers and like we do other yeah. stuff y'all <laughs> i'm not i'm not talking about basketball in space <laughs> we're gonna do other things in this fucking story and then the third thing which was like the heavy hitter which was like can we talk about blade runners or slave catchers mm-hmm. and uh at the end of the day that's what they are they take a right. like an enslaved people and the moment that they realize who they are blade runners are allowed to decide and be the entire judicial system for them, judge and jury, to assassinate them and execute them on the spot. And then we're like, yay. And Replicants like, don't open your eyes. Open that third eye. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I told them all, all three of those things, they're like, we'll get back. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, yeah. and it, it took a long time for them to turn around. But even then, like, um, there's been just 
there, there's a lot of battles there's a lot of yeah. fights and there's a lot of like uh like it, literally to make the comic that builds this all out now and changes blade runner forever so that way we could clean up some of this mess uh not all of it but a good a good chunk of it they were just like if you give us an outline that is good enough and on par with what the franchise is expecting so basically they was just like write something better than the original movie and what and anything ridley scott would make and we'll let you do mm-hmm. it and so it's like we you telling me the literal thing that we joke about which is like i have to be twice yeah. as good in order to correct a problem you created right. you know like, <laughs> speak on it speak on it i mean it's <laughs> it, it's it's a, it's like a it's like the most daunting task right and especially as black creators it's like the most daunting mm-hmm. task because it seems to be like our forever task right suss that shit out let's fix it because that's i mean from the dawn of time what have we done fix right they literally they literally hired us to fix the house (laughs) to build the house damn and then fix it so there's there's something very specific too where like they could have they like to put in the work to fix this problem also takes someone that can't have that Michael Jordan mindset of Republicans by Jordans too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what they were going for at this time. They, that's mm-hmm. what they had as executive party at this time. Clearly the house has been cleaned out and it's just, it's brand new people in there where they would never let this shit fly. Sure. At, oh, Disney property. But yeah. at this time, they're just like, make him like as neutral as a glass of milk. <laughs> like Make him just nothing. Make him just a dude that has no opinions and stares at a wall, and then uh, and that is what we get as a character, uh, where it's just like I have a bad past, I potentially have a good future. Um, <laughs> sure, you know, like and like I and like it, this dude is not going to be able to convey anything in terms of a performance. His eyebrows never raised nope. or lowered. Did y'all ever notice that? Like watching the movie, I think that's part of the issue of casting somebody based off of a promotional image for a completely different thing. Is that (laughs) like, I don't know if Taylor Kitsch is a bad actor, but I know he wasn't a good fit for this movie. Because I don't think he had the charisma to carry the film as written. And so oftentimes he's kind of put in a position where he has to like do the thing you know make the and that's why even though tom cruise is way too old to do it tom cruise does have that natural just he knows the right moment to like you know make a make a a smirk or like you know kind of position his body in a certain way or just do the little things that like those movie star actors can do and like taylor kitsch just kind of did what was written on the page and what's written on the page is like not anything you know i mean he definitely gives off like I have a mini series on the sci-fi channel in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, like he definitely, like, it, there's something very specific about that, but, but not like leading this. No. And like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at his IMDb right now, and like, the last thing he was in is the Terminal List, and that seems very him. Yeah. And this yeah. character, <laughs> that seems like he, 
he 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 probably connected to this character in a way that we don't really want to talk he about. He had a real and because <laughs> we had yeah we asked him we'd probably be like. Well, he's a big <laughs> proponent of John Carter and says to this day that he'd love to do more movies. Lynn Collins is sure. not necessarily uh, going to bash the movie, but is also like, it almost ruined my career. And like, I got thrown under the bus for a lot of things where I just showed up to do my job. You know, Andrew Stanton, <laughs> I think, you know, the biggest problem with him. Did he, did he do his job though? Lynn Collins, I think she did what she at a certain point she says that she just showed up to set and asked Andrew Stanton what he wants her to do because she didn't have any idea who this character was supposed to be anymore, and so like I'll just do what uh, tell me what to say and what to do, and that'll be (laughs) she she became John But um, it, like I, I don't know. I, she don't get a pass either for me because she could be like, "Why that color?" Yeah. bronze was bronze. It was. <laughs> well, I think what I, I mean, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to think. I was like, "Is she supposed to be me?" I yeah. She, she's supposed to be <laughs> it, or she's supposed to be like hot Aboriginal? Well, because like it, it wasn't like, a I consistent know. shade, so everybody looked different in the red paint. And so, like, well, you I, just... it was like three layers. Yeah, going on. it was like you're obviously Lily White. Right. I know what Dominic West yeah. is. I I see McNulty. Yeah, I know what that man is. <laughs> He's Irish. Okay, so first of all, we got that, and then we got the bronzer. Just yeah, like you know, Disney movie magic. We got that makeup, but then we got the red, and then the red is like doing this <sighs> magic eye. You squint and then you take your eyes away from it, and then you see a whole new picture kind of yeah. thing on all of them. I mean, with the old man, the old man who's like just been in every Bond movie, he's like an every colonizer <laughs> in every movie ever, and he's like a red man in this movie. And they they redded the shit sure out of this dude. Well, and like 2012, it's not unreasonable to think that you could just you know do the color correction in the post and not like just slather them in red paint. But uh, 2012 was when they invented color correction, <laughs> man. Just like it was, they was ready. Yeah, uh, it's it's a mess. But I I do want to to talk lastly about just like if we're thinking about reimagining these movies and also thinking about like what these movies could be because they're going to keep making them. Mm. Sony has signed on to do another Tarzan movie, um, and so like no. they're not letting <laughs> these properties die, even though. I think at this point, a lot of them might be entering public domain, similar to Sherlock Holmes. So I don't know. Tarzan is, yeah. right? Isn't Tarzan like this is the last ditch? Effort? I think so. Um, and so, like, these things are going to keep happening and keep coming. But Ugh. my question is, like, does it, if you make John Carter and John Carter is like an ex slave or John Carter is an Apache or John Carter is. Um, you know, just not a white man. Like, is that a better movie, or are we running into a lot of the same issues? I think no, you're. It, I think it, you're gonna. You have the same issues. You'll have to de-racism the movie. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to be bold, you're gonna have to clean up hmm. in order to further your vision. Yeah. Like the the core problem is there, and the foundation of what the plot is, and. And that is all and based on the intention of the world. 
and what the character wants and those things drive the entire thing so it's a, it's a foundational problem so if there's something that you actually want to fix while keeping the aesthetic there's stuff for that there there are other franchises where they solve that problem immediately after burrows died mm-hmm. like one of them being um beastmaster the thing that we don't know about beastmaster is that that is the probably the most whitewashed franchise ever because uh beastmaster a wasn't fantasy it was in space nice. uh b it was about a dude who had who was a veteran in the military and he was the last native american alive and so he goes to another planet so that way he can uh just live normally and he has the ability to talk to animals and he has been trained both in terms of his native people as well as within the military so he's just a straight up badass so when he finds a group of colonizers are terrorizing the place that he just wants to settle down at, he's and he finds out that one of them is like one of the worst colonizers mm. that is related to his past he's just like well i'm just going to murder him and i'm going to talk to the animals as to like how to do this and like we're going to build like a SWAT team to take all these people out that is how you do one of these. That is the, 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 it's the book. The book is there. We don't need Arnold Schwarzenegger in a tunic, right. <laughs> which is what we got. You got what was it? The Earth Sea Chronicles made by Ursula K. Le Grand. Le Grand. Mm-hmm. I always call her Le Grand. <laughs> I don't know why, but <laughs> but um, she made a fantasy universe that is not too similar or not too uh, far from this. While also being in the realm of Lord of the Rings, and like all of the main characters are like black and brown, mm-hmm. and their challenges are the systems around them, and they don't use magic unless they have to because they use they see it as a as a form of like fascistic fascistic force basically, and so you have like your main character where the second book, which is one of my favorite books of all time, we in the Tombs of Artuan where the whole book is him being like Lupin style suave going into this cave where there's a cult down there and there's a younger girl that is in the cult. He's just talking to her every now and then. Like, tell me about your God though. Like, tell me, like, tell me, tell me about this thing that y'all worship her. And he's like slowly converting her uh, to over to his side because like, she's asking questions and they're punishing her for it. And so like every few weeks he'll come back and he's like, so how did that go? Hmm. You know, like when you started asking this question, when you started asking about these things and being revealed, all the answers exist within books that a lot of these studios and execs don't want to make. Mm, mm, and when they mm. and when they do want to make it, they whitewash it to hell, yep. and they like just keep the action scenes, but nothing that happened about yeah. how this was my grandfather's fault. <laughs> so, <laughs> and literally, that's how we got here. Literally, that's how we got. Here. Well, I think, you yes, know, like word for word, bar for bar. Yeah, the problem with this movie is very much so that everybody involved in it loved John Carter unexplicitly without any attempt to interrogate or like not necessarily like break it down and like reinvent it. But like they, they didn't say, OK, so here's the premise. You know, here's all the things I used to love when I was, say, like a 12 year old boy. And now that I'm a 45 year old man, like, does this still hold up in 2000 and <laughs> <laughs> is this a thing that like all of these parts work in concert together or is there like you were saying Mello, like a flawed center here that we would have to rework in order to make this worth seeing and i think when you look at the box office performance of it one of the things they lament mm-hmm. 
you know, they'll tell you that, oh, well, you know, like everybody kind of already beat us to it, right? You know, Star Wars is taken from Jen Carter and Dune is taken from Jen Carter and, uh, you know, all these different science fiction properties are kind of like pulling from John Carter. And it's like, yeah, but they are not doing John Carter. They're kind of doing, you know, like some of the trappings or things around it. Like they're taking definitely the high space opera of it but like they're not just they're not ripping john carter off like if you want to look at like flash gordon or uh you know stuff like that like yeah no they're definitely pulling from the same because those were those were designed specifically to counter john carter but then you even look mm-hmm, at something mm-hmm. like adam strange at dc comics which is literally the same oh, wow. you know adam yeah. strange gets pulled from his world to another world he gets caught up in a war. He meets a princess, like all this stuff. Except they just removed the fact that he's a Confederate soldier and like all the other parts that made John Carter gross. And we're just like, but what if this? <laughs> like, it's the same. You know? <laughs> he's always <laughs> jumping into some bullshit that got nothing to do with him. It's oh like, my gosh. Like, yo, you're not a Rand or a fan of Gary and just get out. Yeah, just go to Earth. Right. Just go to Earth. <laughs> there's, there's a million superheroes that can take you back. There's so many, there's so many superheroes that can take you back to Earth. Out. Get out of here! Just somebody take this nigga's backpack. <laughs> somebody take that jetpack off of him. But I think that's that's the thing is that oh, by the time man. this movie came out, they were so faithful to the original source material that people are like, "So any of this new? Or this is we see? Okay, you know, like we kind of seen this already." Um, and I don't know. There have been talks, you know, in terms of it becoming a Disney Plus show. There's been talks. You know, just in terms of Andrew Stanton will always kind of float. Hey, let's try again. You know, but it's just like, but why? But why? Because this was originally planned. But as why? A, yeah, but why? This was originally planned as a trilogy. There's supposed to be three movies. Um, and you know, I, some... I, I, can, I can promise you here on this podcast, as long as I work for Disney, there will not be a John Carter <laughs> Disney Plus show. Wow, <laughs> it's it's so crazy because the end of the movie is so trying to. Be. Oh yeah. A cliffhanger. It's like you don't know where Marshawn went. He just evaporated. Oh, they then... planned for five of these. Yeah. Oh, you feel it. You feel it. You you feel it in the whole uh, John Carter of Mars title reveal at the end. The the logo reveal. The all of it. It's just like mm-hmm. back for more. That it's everything but John Carter will return. Right. Yeah. But it's it's similar it's, to last everything. It's similar to the last Airbender where they're like, and look at this character you're gonna see in the sequel, and it's like, nigga, there ain't no sequel. <laughs> I mean, dude, <laughs> coming back from this. Uh, it, it, it's it's. I mean, I mean, we could go on for days about all of that the whole thing. But I, I kind of wanted to get back to your point just to put a cap on it a little bit yeah. because, uh, the the kind of the base problem with this ending up or staying in the same realm. Sadly, that it you know did when it when the uh, book was originally released. The problem with that is white people get so enamored with their own myth making and their own past that they almost eschew the whole idea that some of their past was like fucked up deeply, deeply fucked up, and is deeply fucked up systemic situations whether it be, you know, political, just job-wise, society, on mm-hmm. on and on and on, the list goes on. And, and don't realize the things that they actually have to account for, right? Plain and simple in this case, John Carter's a mm-hmm. Confederate soldier. 
what did the Confederacy fight for? And then if you, if someone has to go, hmm, or, or find more words than one, you know what I mean? And the problem is that, yeah. like, a lot of these places are run by people who want to find more words than one. No one wants to say straight yeah. up, Confederacy fought for slavery. That makes John Carter a proponent of slavery. Yeah. Point blank period. It's over. There's no conversation. But the problem is Hollywood exists in a world where we have to explain these things. We have to go like, well, I don't know. You know, slavery was an amalgam of... It's, it's complicated. complicated. <laughs> if anyone ever said, by the way, this is a, a, a disclaimer for anyone. If you ever tell me slavery was complicated to my face, I will hit you in the mouth. I will hit you 100%. <laughs> I will hit you on principle alone. I will go to jail. It'll be fine. Uh, but <laughs> if you think that slavery was complicated, you're a crazy person. If you think that the Confederate yeah. motivation <laughs> is anything other than slavery and money, then you are out of your fucking mind. And the fact that you have to create other worlds and like other <laughs> other other ways to basically absolve you of those problems speaks to something deeply deeply problematic in your ethos, right? In your creative ethos. Yeah. Because you're not interested in not necessarily you don't have to solve a problem. I'm not saying that any of this entertainment is to solve a problem. It is entertainment at the end of the day, but it is exploratory in nature, right? If, you, if mm -hmm. you're gonna have allegories, if you, this is literally, this, this whole book and this whole movie is an allegory, within an allegory, within an allegory, right? So you're already trying to talk about, you're already trying to decipher other things that you think are interesting. You the, you the storyteller yeah. or the creator think are interesting, right? So to come all the way back to it, if you think it's interesting, why and let's talk about really why but if you're not interested then you can't disassociate yourself from that and then don't tell the story you yeah. can't there's no way well, that it's... you're like i love john carter so much that i have to figure out a way to tell the story without talking about genocide and slavery like shut up you're, you're insane you're insane because it's literally <laughs> Tied uh, to the man himself, Edgar Rice Burroughs, the little nerdy Cameron. What what was that uh, imitation you just? Chewy guys, that's my impression of a Hollywood exec. <laughs> they're okay. adorable. Yeah, I love them so much. They're adorable. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's look at what people really did think about John Carter. Um, Going through all our different aggregate review sites, starting with IMDb.com. Mello, what do you think out of 10 John Carter currently has? Six. Okay, Cameron? On IMDb. Yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go 5.5 though. 6.6 .6 out of that's two hundred and seventy-seven thousand reviews. That's alarming. That's alarming. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. That's there a is lot of reviews. Also, that might be the most amount of reviews I've ever heard for a movie on IMDb. So, there's been a lot of revisionist John Carter um, looking back in the last <laughs> couple of years because it was the 10-year anniversary what? last year. It was also the 10-year of, like, I think... Nas's life is good. Did you listen to it? Sorry, no shots. No shots. I'm sorry. That was wild. Uh, you know that was what? wild. I don't know why Nas had to catch <laughs> on the podcast. 
But now he's got now he's now he's back with King's disease. So you know, like he's you like don't even think, you haven't got to listen to that. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people. I don't think people are trying to make John Carter happen, <laughs> but I think there are people who are like, "Hey, you know, if you really just turn your brain off and like sit down and watch it," and it's like, "Well, that's it's not even interesting in that way." Where like if they had gone really broad and really dumb and made it just like the pulpiest pulp film, I think that would have been fun. But I, this I, I feel like there's an initiative so, by people to make John Carter happen. There's something about like. Think about if you were to write a certain type of audience and someone told you Disney has a a conservative former uh, Confederate superhero. And then you're just like, well, I need a sequel. <laughs> like, I, 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 I want to know. Well, yeah, yeah that's it. Like, <laughs> that, that's money, money is green. Money is green, right? There's always yeah. people to put butts in seats. Somewhere. Well, just people are weird. <laughs> it's just people to people just weird like i, I yeah. can see people, people are pushing like john carter wasn't that bad yeah. and then like they, the only thing they could quote is that he jumped one time i mean it, <laughs> yeah if you if you look on the internet there's proponents of everything who will tell you that everything is good you know and like and make long youtube explanation video essays about like why you're wrong about and cam camera will watch what that camera thing. will watch it's like <laughs> i will lie I'm yeah um <laughs> uh, but it's like bro let's and let how bad um, does he want those powers to be him as a minority his power is to jump high somebody it's, somebody it's clearly crazy. dunked on to jump high it's, it's crazy your dude was like i, I bet a dude named jamal stole his girl like and then dunked a basketball on his head like he was just like, I I swear revenge on all brown people. I'm gonna write about him. Yeah, he's got real. He's got real grandpa from Get Out energy, where he was just like, yeah, I remember <laughs> when Jesse Owens, <laughs> right? I want to do that. Oh man. <laughs> um, we're going over to Rotten Tomatoes out of 100% Mellow with um, John Carter currently has. I don't want to guess because I accidentally saw it when I, 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 I clicked it when you said 6.6 .6 and I was so outraged yeah. that I went to go look myself. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, Cameron, what do you think? I got a feeling he's still outraged. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a go. You're, you're saying critic score, right? Critic score and you could do audience score if you want. I'm going to stick with I'm gonna stick with sixty. Fifty-two percent critic score, um, and that's out of two hundred and forty reviews, and sixty percent audience score out of a hundred thousand reviews. So why are there of, so of many of reviews do, of a movie yeah. no one saw? I don't know. Apparently, people have feelings. Um, <laughs> that's like Killer Clowns from Outer Space being like, "Yo, five million reviews, <laughs> accurately reviewed." I think a lot of the critic, you know, takedown of the movie was, again, like, this is for a blockbuster film. This is complicated. Uh, this is involved in ways it doesn't have to be. We are doing things that we've seen Star Wars do and, like, other big budget science fiction films do. And so, like, this is just a less interesting version of a lot of these other things, even if it is the original. Um, it doesn't really, you know, capture the same highs as some of these other things that it inspired. And so, you know, like it got it got pretty beat up, you know, when it initially came out. Like a lot of the reviews were 
very negative. Um, and then again, in recent years, there's been some effort for people to look back and kind of like, again, not justify it, but a lot of these like fresh reviews are from 2019, 2020, <laughs> you know, like people saying things way after the fact to try to prop it up. You know, if, um, if these clowns end up getting like a 10th anniversary, 15th anniversary Blu-ray out of John Carter, I'm just going to... I'm gonna throw him a towel. I'm gonna throw him a hat. Never say never. No, uh, no they, got, about... they got Dune. Maybe all right. <laughs> <laughs> what about Amazon.com? What do we think? Amazon? John Carter has. Amazon is weird. Uh, Amazon's oh, probably, we know. It's probably high. It's probably like four and a half stars or something. Okay, Cameron? I'm gonna actually, yeah, I'm gonna go along. I usually just say five stars, maybe, but. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's enough people in there that probably were like, nah, nah, nah. so I'm going to say like one or two. 4.7 out of five. Yeah. Uh, 79% five star rating. <laughs> people <laughs> love John Carter on Amazon. Don't ask me why. A lot of it is that same, like, hey, John Carter, not as bad as people said it was. And it's like. All those people voted for very, Trump. Oh, yeah. Republicans love Jack Amazon Hart. as well. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's a lot of people again from the recent times going and rating it mm-hmm. and then it's a lot of people who are like doth to protest too much you know what i mean like it's one thing if you enjoyed the movie it's another thing to try to tell me this is like a masterpiece of filmmaking that is unrivaled by anything else it's like if you liked it that's fine I, right. you know certain movies i don't like you're allowed to like but like if you're going to tell me a like objectively without question this movie is anything other than a mess <laughs> like you can enjoy i love a bad movie but like this wasn't even one of the enjoyable ones but amazon they love it um well getting into our caucasity ranking skill we have to rank this movie mellow on three levels of caucasity starting with our first level which is shorts in the winter and this is where <laughs> this movie isn't offending us we just have questions about it. You know what I mean? Like when you're just out and about living your life, you're in your, your bubble goose, you know, with everything, you know, on all the hats. And, and then you see uh, one of our less melanated brethren on the subway or walking around just in shorts. Uh, and you just basketball shorts. At that. It's not even like Chino. Right. It's, not, it's just like airy no. basketball shorts. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, is that hurting me specifically? No, but I just, I wonder what, what happened to you, why you made that choice, why you think that was a good idea. Um, and if, if that is something that you think uh, <laughs> anybody else should be doing, or that's just a personal choice that you've made. Um, but that's the first level. Cameron, what's the second level? Uh, the second level of caucasity is this movie is touching my hair. So at this point, this, this movie didn't ask you any questions that probably just already reached across the room, fingers knuckle deep in your 4C. You're just as confused <laughs> as they are. And, and at that point, it's it, it's a confusion, right? It's like, it's not necessarily a whole violence, but it is an offense. It's definitely offen- your hands in my that's, hair. That's only a two? All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, well, right, because ultimate call Cassidy... Well, at least this week. Well, is, I go to a Tucker five. Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, 
a, a three would be this week Tucker Carlson and Fox News in general uh, just getting getting exposed in terms of it, it's not even hey all right you know maybe we like you know took this Trump thing a little bit too far like no we hated him we was lying and, and there's receipts about it <laughs> and yet we went on TV every night for four years to tell you not only how much we we had to sit on TV and listen to this man ramble at us about windmills and toilets that don't flush and all kinds of other nonsense and, and nod heads and, and say the greatest living American president, uh, you know what a what a hero to our <laughs> what country. a hero. And then you had Tucker Carlson text messages come out saying something along the lines of it it looks like we're finally free. Uh, you know he's not going to be elected again. I hate this. I man. hate this man. You know what I mean. You know, detest so him. Like, that's the ultimate level of like you just hate anything that's not white. Like this is just anything that's not a white male. You have the utmost <laughs> ill intent for. You know exactly what you're doing. This is no mistakes. This wasn't. You know, you weren't misinformed. You were very much informed, and then took that information and turned it into misinformation for your purposes. And so that's the ultimate caucasity this week, where. You know, this is this is a movie with ill intent from start to finish and like does legitimate harm uh, to people of color. I don't think this is causing harm. No, no, it does. Never mind. It's a, it's at the top because of the, uh, <laughs> it's at the top. I, I like it, I thought about it in regards to what it has to say about indigenous people. Fuck this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've never seen such a 180 before on this podcast. Honestly, that was fast. <laughs> like this is uh, this movie's disgusting yeah. for yeah. Um, ideas, views, how it forces the ideas and views, um, and and like not subtle ways at all, and like it and like how it wants to walk a line as if it's just like yeah. Yeah. niggas, but niggas are welcome to watch, you know, like it, it's and. <laughs> <laughs> you just you're just not at the party is all. No. And um it it very much is yeah, is I don't know. I have I, I have no positive <laughs> adjective to give to this movie. Um that was uh that was that was, I, I wasted my time with this movie twice <laughs> and I and I chose that. So I'm just yeah. sitting in it. And here we are. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) We never got to ask, too. I am curious. You saw it in theater. Immediately after, credits come up. The vibe in the theater is what? Uh, The vibe in the theater was uh, I was texting the whole time. What was it? uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was uh, absolutely empty. I remember that. And it was before, like, uh, like at that time, I was about to enlist into the military. And so uh, it was just like something that I, I like had like some free time. I heard that this movie was like achieving new things in technology, which watching it now, it definitely did. Yeah, I will say like the uh, in terms of what the technology that they were using, I think it looks. It, it, I heard someone make a comment like it looks better than Avatar, and I would agree. Um, I, I think it, it does look better in regards to like uh, I could see scenes where I believe that CG characters were in the same environment as Taylor Kitsch, uh, where I didn't believe that in a lot of the scenes when I was watching Avatar. So I was just yeah. like, oh, this this looks cool. 
Um, everything else, no. <laughs> They're like, you know how we're gonna we're gonna power this technology on white supremacy. Ooh, and so there you go. it's all completely checked out and it was just doing other like figuring out what I was gonna do that night. Um watching it again. Um in order to get through the first 15 minutes, I got real high with my wife. And then sure. um after um he went into the slaughter where he's like flinging his arms around and screaming we just kind of just started like wandering around the house like just two cats oh like <laughs> while it was still going and so i had to actually just like wikipedia the rest of what happened coming on to the show <laughs> so it was, didn't miss anything <laughs> didn't miss anything and then like I'm, I'm I've, been, I've been buzzing through disney plus as we've been talking that's why I was like, he gave his wife's ring away. And like, I, sure did. <laughs> and, yeah. And that is, uh, that, so that's all. I don't know if that gives you full details as to how I feel about it. Oh yeah. But uh, that's where I am. Oh, I, yeah. No, that's definitely that's succinct. Cameron, Cameron, what do you feel? Where is this rank? Oh my god. Oh, I I don't think I can go lower than a three. It, I mean, it is like. It's wild. This movie thinks it's slick, and that's that's what I don't like. As, as my parents would say, this this movie thinks it's slick because it, <laughs> it's doing stuff like he's Confederate, but you ain't seen no stars and bars. So like, I mean, how are you supposed to really know? And like, uh, also, red people are they the indigenous people? You don't know. I didn't explain it good enough, so you don't know. Like, this movie is doing some slick shit on the low. Uh, however. It, it like I felt the exact same thing that you was going through, Mellow. Like technically, kind of astounding in some scenes. It's like throwaway shots that look gorgeous. Like uh, there's uh, him, Deja, and uh, the one dark daughter that went with them on the journey to mm, Alien. The one that shouldn't be there at all. Yeah. The one that should, yeah, oh my The gosh. one sympathetic character of the entire movie. Yeah. And they're only there to tell uh, John and Deja I forgive you. Somebody's, yeah, that. Yeah. The indigenous people forgive <laughs> the for their own shit. So with that alone, you know, three out of three, high Caucasi. However, like I said, throwaway shot of them in the desert literally looks like a, it's seamless. It's seamless. Like, I, I apply some of this technology to a Star Wars movie that had come out at the time, and you would have you would have had well, Force Awakens, you would have had Force Awakens, but still, still, I'm sure that was a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> There's like wholesale. Well, you can, you can watch the meeting happen. <laughs> you can watch what meetings happen. After yeah. like, <laughs> like, I, can, I can hear the studio executives being like, I don't know. I don't think we should do it. What if we fucking just bought Tatooine? What? <laughs> yeah. And then we just made everything Tatooine for five years. I think I think we just saved a lot of money. I think that's what we did just now. Pat us on the back, give me a bonus and go home. Everyone goes, Mandalorian. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You're not wrong. You're oh, no, not, I, was gonna say, you, I was letting you cook because you wasn't wrong. <laughs> I think the thing about it is, like, because of his background in animation, like, Andrew Stanton does have a good understanding of how CGI should work and it be applied work, yeah. and can, like, take some of those Pixar 
trappings and bring them to it. It's just that he doesn't have an idea of how a live action movie should work. And so like those two things just butt up against each other. Just really hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also, it's a third level for me because it is $300 million. And like, this is what you did. This is what you you did. And like how many, everything everywhere all at once is can we make how many sorry <laughs> to bother you could we make how many uh you technically know, like, you can make 18 could we make Te- technically you can make you know? 18 everything everywhere <laughs> like all how at many once of is... these different movies could you make with that budget that would just be like would they would they all be surefire successes no but like if this is what you're doing with that kind of money like damn like let somebody else get a chance to cut because obviously this is not working you know so i think that alone was offensive and then you add in all the other things that like (laughs) you all talked about on top of that and it really just comes out as it's not like fanboy the movie but it kind of is it's kind of like hey you know i'm 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 a 12 year old and i got 200 million dollars to make a movie and so like let me play with these action figures for two hours and 12 minutes and like you know, I guess we can maybe get a story in here somewhere, mm-hmm. but like that's not necessarily the point. And again, if it was a movie that was all spectacle, everything was about the tech. I mean, that's why people will give Avatar a pass in the sense that like, oh, it's just a, it's just a spectacle. Things are happening. You know, what <laughs> I mean, the story is super basic and simple, but like, look at this shot of them jumping off this waterfall, or like, look at this, you know, facial technology. You know, in terms of the CGI character, or like, look, you know, what I mean, it's like. You're supposed to just look at it, well, what's the, and then like, <laughs> what's, what's especially wild is like, uh, and this is me probably giving Andrew Stanton too much credit, but it's very clear that he struggled with it, and uh, mm-hmm. there, 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 there are things in it that are him, and then everything mm-hmm. we hate is not something that he is in the rest of his body of work. And um, yeah. it, it, like the the stuff where John Carter is constantly escaping is actually not bad exposition in terms of screenwriting. The the fact that uh, Dula or whatever her name was that had like the like they're they're just like if you like you there's no room left on your body for more brands and and like that's actually like you I don't need to know anything else about her like you just told me the whole story about her. And like that one sentence, and that feels like a director figuring shit out as he goes, who is like experienced, right. like like you, like no matter if he is a, if he I don't know the man, he I don't know if he is like racist or not or anything like that, but he knows what he's doing behind the camera because he made one of the greatest science fiction movies ever made, made Wally, and right. uh, he he did that in terms of writing and. Um, not quite directing, but he was there. And he was figuring out what to do with this thing (laughs) as he was making it. And you can see little snippets of that in there. So it really was just like, this was a weird time at that company. There was, this was just the weirdest time before, because they all also assumed that they were going to get bought by Pixar at that time. And uh, I don't know if y'all remember that era. Oh yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And like it, everything was just getting real weird, and like the the Disney Park stuff is just like we don't really have properties that people want to show up for, 
like and uh it, it's it's and it, it, you get this you get this mess and like it's it's crazy to think that that was not that long ago and no. and that just shows you how quickly you know like if we don't keep pushing it can just just as fast go back to this exactly well let's tell people some things that we can recommend for them to watch instead of john carter um Mello, i don't know if you have anything it doesn't have to necessarily be a science fiction thing although if you have something that's cool um but something that you think people would get more use of two hours and however many minutes <laughs> than john carter uh sure um I, uh, well, A, read the Blade Runner Origins books if you're interested. Those are a lot of fun. Um, there's going to be a bunch of sequels coming out. So jump on that wagon now because uh, <laughs> you definitely need to read the first before you go into the sequels. Um, uh, watch Station 19. And, and uh, on, at the time of recording this, uh, one of my favorite writers in the room is releasing her episode tonight. So. Congratulations uh, to her. Uh, another sister in the room, Stacey Okanola. Um, and in terms of just like some fun stuff to watch, I, I can't recommend enough uh, Baby Assassins, which is um, on Amazon. And that is a movie where it's the most Gen Z movie I've ever seen, where it is just uh, two 20-year-olds who are at this place in life where they don't have the social skills, or the, uh, the the hard skills to do anything because of their uh, crippling anxiety to talk to other people. So they have to turn into assassins. And that's what happens to a big chunk of Gen Z in this universe. So it's John Wick if they were the TikTok crowd um, for okay. this entire universe. And it is one of the smartest, funniest, and coolest action comedies I've seen in quite some time. So baby assassins. Nice. Awesome. Wow. Cam, you got anything? Damn, cleared out the room with that one. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, I recently watched uh, Triangle of Sadness. If you're everybody's trying to catch up with the Best Picture nominees, it's all right. Um, if you don't like seeing poop and vomit, you don't. Well, don't do it. Because <laughs> that, that you caught your boy off guard. Um, um, but uh, I guess uh, black people in science fiction. I recently watched uh, the first episode of Moon Girl on Devil Dinosaur. Hell yeah, yeah super excellent. cool, super cool. Like execution on a million, animation. If you're fans of uh, Spider Man, it's Spider Verse, but don't necessarily want everything to look like that. But with that yeah. same speed and kinetic energy. This is where you go. This is the next step. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, I will recommend, as of recording, the Oscars are going to be this Sunday. And I know we're you all pulling it. for Michelle Yao. Mm -hmm. uh, and Criterion yes. on the Criterion channel has an incredible collection of yes. so many of her best movies, yeah. uh, starting all the way from Yes, Madam, all the way up to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. They've got Police Story 3. Police there. Story 3. Uh, she jumped got... off a train. <laughs> with a motorcycle and she did yeah <laughs> uh, they've got the the heroic trio they've got the stunt woman they've got a lot of great films on there some of the things that you might know her for but some other things that maybe you haven't seen and so i definitely would recommend going to check that out just because 
not only you know her career spans decades four, like and four I decades think. active oh, getting into five right now and not only is she as good as she's ever been right now but also like the way that she has kind of continued to build on right. all of the things that you love about her like you can watch those early movies and see like oh she, like she's she's something from the start yeah. like it's not right. like oh man okay like she kind of grew into it it was like no she started there and then just like kept. and she's still tapping in it's wild honestly uh maybe this is just i just want to give her a flowers two seconds but like watching her and everything everywhere all at once like makes you cry if you're a person who's seen crouching tiger if you're a person who's seen super stop if you've seen like anything that she's been in, in including crazy rich asians and some of the subtler roles she's been cooking and like mm-hmm. rarely making like goofball to make goofball choices. I think she's doing a little bit of that now because you know money's money. But at the same time, right. she's she's been cooking throughout four decades and still doing yep. her own stunts. Like that's the yep. shit that makes me like go to the movies and actually like fully cry. You know, yeah. like that's that's it, it doesn't get any better than her. And like if she loses, Boo. I'm not even thinking about a world if she loses because there's it. She's shooting. I mean, it's a dream, right? It's a. Uh, it's definitely seeing someone work this long, and mm-hmm. then the first time they got a role that fully, like, encompassed everything that was about them as an individual. Yeah, and they get an Oscar for that. They're like, "Congratulations, you fucking did it!" Like, you went through yeah. four decades of this shit. You went through. Even like how many CGI dragons and dinosaurs have you had to talk to uh, while hanging out of a helicopter before you got something that recognized that you're an action star, you're a dramatic actress, you're a comedian, and you are, and all these things make up you as a person. So, and I'm bona fide at all of them too, like I'm bona fide, crazy. Absolutely. And they're still trying to be like, oh, but she shared that article, so maybe she shouldn't have a chance to win. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, Get the fuck out no. of here. No, no, no. Oh. It's going to take more than that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh. <laughs> Somebody else will be getting slapped this year. All <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want Michelle Yeoh to slap you because that's, that's, right. you know, that's a different slap. That's a different slap. Um, well,. Melo, thank you so much for joining us. This has been fantastic. Awesome, man. Uh, really enjoyed uh, having you. Thank you, you for having me, fellas. This has been a lot of fun. For sure. Yeah, tell everybody where people can find you online, what they should be looking out for. All that oh, stuff. don't find me online. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> uh, just, uh, just pick up Blade Runner Origins and uh, Station 19, and there's going to be a lot of surprises coming out that I have on the way. So uh, it should be fun. Dope. Uh, Cam, tell everybody what they can look forward from you. Uh... Your boy wrote on his first show this year, got in his first writer's room. So that show's coming out, think summer, think August. So, you know, until then, we say nothing. But follow me on Twitter and IG for the foolishness at TheBlipster1138. Nice. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at JRSosa18, JRSosa18. Red Sonia, Hell Sonia, the finale, issue number four is coming out March 22nd. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and then the Milestone uh, DC Power. Well, the Milestone Anthology is coming out May 14th. Um, and then the DC Power reprint is also coming out next week on March 14th. So 
those are the comics things that I can announce right now. I've got something else that's coming out later in the year that I can't talk about yet, but uh, excited for that. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at uh, whitepeoplewillsaveyou at gmail.com. Uh, you can also reach us at white underscore pod on Twitter. We'll be back next week uh, talking more of this caucasity, but until then, peace. Peace. Later. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. <laughs>